When we have true confidence, not the mass artificial kind that makes you self-inflated, but true confidence is being able to not think less of yourself, but think about yourself less because you have the confidence to know you just are. And that allows you the energy and opportunity to give more to the world and to the people around you. This is the Made for Living Well podcast, hosted by Alexa Sherm, the place to create a life well-lived. Welcome back to this podcast. As always, my name's Alexa. This is the place where I believe you were made for living well, which means it should also be easy, right? I get that it's not, but today in the podcast, I'm going to break down some reasons why health is complicated by telling you three things you should stop doing to get healthier. And surprisingly, none of them have to do with food. Thank heavens. Today, I just want to have a lot of fun with you and keep this simple because really that's what I believe health should be. It should be the fuel to help you live your life, not the purpose of your life. And I realized through doing a lot of podcast research lately that we're not always the best at living life. So I hope today on the show that we can open up some space for you to start to live again and to embrace all that life has to offer. And over in the blog, I'm going to give a few tips on how to find joy and excitement and living life again. So make sure you head on over to thelivingwell.com. And while you're there, sign up for the weekly fill. This is where I get really personal and share so much information about what's going on in my own life and take a deeper dive and even a different dive into what health means and expanding on our understanding so we can really start to live again. Again, you can find all of that over at thelivingwell.com. So today I want to get right into the show and I want to share three healthy things that are making you more unhealthy. And originally when I started researching for this podcast, I was going to do tips on how to romanticize your health because in the last podcast, we talked about complicating health. And as I mentioned, one of the things that we're doing that is overcomplicating health and making life more miserable, is we are spending so much time romanticizing the destination, the results, the outcome that we so desperately hope we can achieve, that we neglect and even hate the process. And as I mentioned on there, and I don't wanna repeat myself, but as long as we romanticize the destination while hating the process, health will always be a fantasy. It will always be something we wish for, we hope for, but not something that we actually have, not because it's not possible, but because we don't like the process of it. And it's the process that is health because health is a verb. It's the action you take, not the destination. Yes, the destination is okay to want and to work for, but I think when we spend so much time chasing down that destination, we miss so much of life and we make life so complicated. Because chasing life makes us recognize what we don't have and all of our shortcomings and all of our failures and everything that needs to be fixed. And again, we all have those things. That's part of being human. But I think when we spend so much time chasing down a solution to those things, we, in a lot of ways, become our own God. And we also make health so impossible because we believe that we can arrive at a place that is free of all of these things. It's not humanly possible. 
Now, this might sound like the bearer of bad news, but I want you to think about it as the, the giver of freedom that says that life does not exist. Here on earth, hard things are always going to be a part of the equation. Everything good is always going to come at a cost. And instead of fighting for a place where you arrive, where magically all of your problems disappear, what if we just started to embrace the process of living again? We started to embrace the process of experiencing and engaging with life and using that to grow our wisdom. And that's why I wanted to do this podcast because I want you to find some joy in life again. I want you to find some excitement and purpose and open up space for you to really live it. I also decided I couldn't do the Romanticizing Health podcast because I'm really not that much of a romantic, although I think all of us are in some degree. We all like that cozy, warm love that we all really do need, but it's also kind of trendy. And if you've been here long enough, you know I'm way more of an old soul than I am anything trendy. Again, it feels like more of a fix, something you need to make, rather than another reason you question what else might be wrong in your life and something else to micromanage. And we all know we do not need more things to micromanage in life and especially in your health. But in the name of making your life better by making it simple, I've decided to throw out, at least for the time being, my podcast about how to romanticize health and the process of getting healthy and just opt to tell you three things you could stop doing. And these are quote unquote healthy things that we've been told are healthy, but I think in a lot of ways are making our life more difficult and are just adding to the confusion and chaos that we feel surrounding health that is keeping us stuck. And to no surprise, none of these have to do with food. I told you that in the intro, but I also think that brings a little sigh of relief to be like, okay, she's not gonna tell me more things to eat, more things not to eat. This is truly just about life and our mindset behind why we do what we do. And in the end, to help you like life again, to find purpose in it, to experience some joy in the living, and that's my whole goal for today's podcast. So today I'm bringing you three healthy things that are actually making you more unhealthy. And the first thing that's making you unhealthy is the amount of information you are taking in in your life. We have more information coming into our brains in a day than people had in an entire lifetime pre-internet. That's like really mind-boggling to think about. And I honestly can't even understand what that life might look like. Like, what did life look like when we didn't have access to instant information at our fingertips 24 hours a day, seven days a week? Like, my mind really can't process that. But I do know from research and statistics that this alone is making us far more unhealthy than it is helping us. Now, of course, there's been so much good that's come from the internet, and I don't want to discount that because it is literally why my business exists. But I think there has to be a balance within it. There has to be a set of boundaries where we're recognizing that the level of information that we're consuming is to the degree that we aren't even capable of doing anything with it. We're, we're entering into analysis paralysis where we have so much information even so much conflicting information 
that we can't decide what is true, what isn't, what is right, where should I start? Like there's so much that we have to process through that most people end up not doing anything at all. And this is a really dangerous place to land yourself. And if I'm being honest, I am someone who hoards and collects information. (laughs) I use it as a crutch when I get insecure. I think, okay, I just got to study more. I got to learn more. And yes, there is an advantage to learning more information. What happens inside of our biology when we have this massive discrepancy between the amount of knowledge we have and the things that we do with that knowledge, when that gap gets greater, meaning you take in a lot of information, but you don't really do anything with it versus taking in information and then doing something with it. When the gap gets larger, what they've found is, is that people live significantly less fulfilling lives. They are far more unhappy. They are far more lonely and confused and overwhelmed and even hopeless. And that might sound surprising, but if we really understand our body and our biology, what happens when we reach this threshold that we all have of the amount of information and the amount of things that we can consume in a day, when we go over that, we become congested. And that congested feeling is just like over-consuming food. Like it's like you become stuffed on it. You almost get like comatose. You become paralyzed by it. And that paralyzation is a shutting down of the body. It's a shutting down of the brain and the systems within the body, igniting the stress response. And when we exist there for so long, that stress response starts to pull away our human connection. It starts to pull away our creativity and our curiosity and our adventure for life. Like we become so stuffed with information, we literally can't even move forward and we get stuck there. And that's a lonely, disheartening place because in our logical brain, it doesn't make any sense. You would think the more information you have, the better off you would be because you would know what to do. But when we have so much conflicting information, it's hard to distinguish what's true from our beliefs and our beliefs from our thoughts and what everyone else is saying. And it's hard to come up with any sort of conclusion that's going to direct your life in a healthy direction. So we just don't do anything. It's the freeze mode of the body, right? Where we just shut down because we're too overwhelmed. It's too stressful. It's too much. And all the systems of the body just freeze. I also think it's fascinating when we really look at people and some of the research that's coming out that it shows us like those people who are less aware and less educated are actually considered more fulfilled in their life. They're less chaotic and less confused. And when they learn something, they are more likely to engage with it. And that has me thinking a lot, right? Like, because if you're someone who knows a lot of information, I would say that is me, where I gather information to an unhealthy degree. It is totally a protective mechanism of mine. It's something to mask my insecurity instead of just living confidently. But what I've been convicted by in my own life is that knowing an endless amount of truths without doing anything with it is far more dangerous than the person who just knows one truth and actually acts out that truth, who does something with it. Now, we're not talking about what happens or the result of what that doing created, but we have to know any movement, 
even if it's not the right movement, even if it fails or falls flat on his face, you're still better off because you're pulling together the gap of what you know and what you do. And this is the difference between knowledge and wisdom. Wisdom is lived experiences. And that lived experience creates so much fulfillment, so much joy, so much purpose, so much passion for life that it does leave you more fulfilled, more hope-filled, happier, content, at peace, all of the things. So yes, there is a time and a place to learn. And for most of us, we are going to be learning and consuming more than we even have to try to. It's always in front of us. So what I'm telling you in this is I think you need to create space in your life just like I had to create space in my life where you just don't learn, where you just take time every day just to think and process and digest the information you have gathered and start to put it into practice. And I think with that, that comes from being willing to learn differently. And what I mean by learning differently is not just learning for the sake of learning because you have to, or you think you need to arrive at a place, or you think it's going to ultimately open all these doors for you. But there's a sense of learning out of curiosity, out of already being creative and curious about life, and then wanting to expand on that knowledge. So I think we have to come into learning with a different perspective. And I also think we need to know when to shut down the learning to say like, that's interesting, but I don't really need to engage with that or I don't need to know that. And even as I am saying this, it sounds so ridiculous, right? Like what I'm telling you is to stop learning. But I hope what you're, you're getting what I'm trying to set down here is we are congesting our mind to the point where we freeze. And when we freeze, that is a very prolonged and extensive stress response that is having a full biological response inside of our body. And it is going to shut down the processes of creativity and curiosity and that sexual energy part of us that opens us up to connect and actually do something with what we're learning. So I think we need to create space to learn, but I also, and more importantly, think that we need to create space to just be, to be curious, to be creative, to think, to process, to do nothing. And this can look like little things, but I think having some boundaries in your life is really good. So one of the things that I have done for myself is I limit the amount of time that I'm on social media because there is so much information and so much room to compare and contrast information that's very conflicting. And so limiting the amount of information you take in on social media is going to be really wise. I'm not saying you can't be on there, but I think it's just being aware of how long you spend on there. I also have created a rule for myself that the amount of time I spend researching and searching, I have to spend the exact amount of time just sitting and processing. This has been a hard rule and it's not always 50-50, but I think just giving myself like that, that, that foundation that says like, this is fine to do, but you equally need time to process and to think for yourself and to think outside the box and to allow yourself to digest it and understand what you can do with that information. So I do that. And then the other thing that I've been doing is I have switched to reading multiple fiction books to every nonfiction book that I consume. And this was like 
not something I ever did. I was not a fiction reader. I I kind of forced myself to read nonfiction books because I thought I needed to and I had to to stay on top of my game. But I've realized that I wasn't consuming most of the information I was taking in. Like I couldn't process through that. I've forgotten most of it. And I wasn't really enjoying that process. I was just becoming more and more overwhelmed. So yes, I still read nonfiction books, but I also balance that out with a good dose of fiction, opening up my mind to the creative side, that adventurous side, that fantasy world, right? Where we can start to see life in a different way. So those are just some tips that I have done in my own life. But I can tell you, I feel like cutting back on the amount of things that I consume, even TV and all everything that we consume, and just opening up to space, I feel like I can breathe again. Like I feel like I can think again and be creative and really start to pinpoint what are the things that I'm going to do. I am so much more productive And I really do think on most days, I am way more creative and also excited about life. I think there was like a whole period of time in my life where I was just consuming and consuming and consuming. And I was so overwhelmed that even when I was sitting and doing nothing, it felt like my mind couldn't stop. Like I was still working when I was laying in bed because nothing would shut off in my head. But now I've created that space and that process to not only take in information, but I'm doing something with it because something changes inside your biology when you take the knowledge and you implement it. You create a lived experience because that lived experience creates the emotion that's going to help you determine whether that was right for you or not right for you. And if you generate a positive emotion, you're more likely to stick with it. That's why Also, when I learn is I tend to focus on the things that ignite an emotional response in me. So I could listen to an entire podcast and take in all the information, but I'm really trying to pinpoint one thing inside that podcast that like sparked a curiosity in me. And that's the thing that after the podcast is over, I create that space just to like think about it, like to digest it and process it. Now, of course, everyone is going to be different, but we are all the same in the understanding that we are consuming way too much information. And I want to ask you, like I had to ask myself, do I want to be full of knowledge or do I want to be wise? And honestly, I think we all really truly want the wisdom of it. And the only way to have that wisdom is through lived experience, meaning you close the gap on what you know by doing something with it. The people who have the most fulfilled life maybe know less truths, but they're actually acting them out. So here's your permission slip to stop taking in information and create space for you to live. Now I was thinking about like a really practical thing for you to grasp onto with this. And I kind of gave you some foundations and, and bullet points. I came across this little audio set that was talking about the eight by eight by eight rule, which essentially says like, if we break up our day, eight hours of work and learning, eight hours of play and space and eight hours of rest, we would be so much more creative and fulfilled and happy. And the audio was really good and it was really inspiring. And I don't know that we can get into exact numbers, but I was one kind of shocked to think that 
yes, I do have eight hours outside of eight hours of a working day and eight hours of deep, restful sleep. And I'm like, what do I do with all that time? Like, it doesn't feel like that much time. It doesn't feel like I have enough time. But I think when I recognize the scope of which that eight hours is, it's a lot of time. What could I do if I really did create that space? What could I do if I really created some hobbies and started to invest and really just creating that space to live? So I want you to ponder that because it really did kind of strike me just the sheer amount of time that could exist between outside of work and outside of sleep. There is a lot of time, and I think I need to reevaluate what I do with that time so that I can create more space to be creative and curious and connect with other people. So that's number one. We've got to stop consuming so much information. Number two, we should stop trying so hard. <laughs> and I mean that in the best possible sense of like, we shouldn't not try. We, we have to try and things are gonna be hard. But I think sometimes we spend so much time forcing things, like trying so hard to make something work when it's really not working and in forcing or trying so hard, you get such a narrow view of what you're trying to do that you can't see that maybe the solution lies outside of that. Like you can't see that maybe what you're seeking is not in the path that you're going. This is the backwards law that really states that the more you try something, the harder it is going to be to achieve it. The more you try to be happy, the harder it's going to be to actually live it. And the reason why is, is because the more you try to do something, you kind of set this objective of reaching this destination. And because you're so focused on the destination, but you see where you're starting from or where you're currently existing, what you do is you like the span of space becomes greater than it actually is. And it also becomes more complicated meaning you're more likely to see the negative side of things, like the things that you're not, the problems that exist within you, the problems that are keeping you from doing the thing that you wanna do. Like when you're trying to be happy and you spend so much time trying to be happy, what you're really doing is you're just focusing on the fact that you're really unhappy. So you can try and try and try to be happy, but when you're trying to be happy, you're not actually living it or creating it which means the only other option is that you're unhappy. And that unhappiness grows because that's what you're giving attention to, making it almost impossible to ever arrive at a place where you exist within happiness. And we do this a lot of areas in our life. We try so hard to be healthy. We try so hard to be a good mom. We try so hard at our jobs. We try so hard to be a good Christian. We try so hard at so many things. And yes, we should work hard, but there's a difference between working hard and trying hard. Working hard is implying that you're doing the things that you know you should and that you're really creating this life. You're creating those relationships. You're fostering them. You're working on them. You're working through them. And instead of reaching this destination, you're really starting to just live out the process. And the process is where change is going to happen. So like the first one, I'm giving you the freedom to say, stop trying so hard, but also know the things that you've been trying really hard at so that you can open up to see them in a different way. Instead of trying to reach the destination or trying to get to the end goal, what if you just worked hard at the process? What if you just took the next steps and you open up to see life in a different way? 
You lived confidently because you realized that there's no perfection to this. The only right response is in doing something and creating it, not waiting for it, not trying to force it, because that only implies that whatever you're trying to achieve is making you feel unsafe, and that's leading you to self-protect and distress, sometimes in unhealthy amounts, feeling like you may never arrive. And that is a losing battle. Instead, it's a journey. It's a path. It's the process. Going back to that romanticizing the process of life. And when you stop trying so hard, you will be amazed at the amount of space you open up in your life. Space that you can use to live. And the last thing I want to tell you to stop doing is to stop putting so much emphasis on yourself. I know, I know, I want to be clear. All of these can be healthy, but I think we've taken them to an unhealthy degree. Like there's nothing wrong with knowing things. We should be avid, lifelong learners. It's the amount of knowledge that's throwing our body out of balance. The same thing with trying. We should work hard. We should try new things, but it's the amount of trying that keeps us stuck, fixated on the negative things. It's the same thing with our focus on ourself. The self-help industry loves to keep you focused on self and focused on your problems because as long as you have problems that exist, the self-help industry will persist. Like it will forever and always be there because they're constantly reminding you of your problems. And when we're so focused on our problems and even on ourselves because we all have problems and our biology starts to shift, Instead of loving yourself, it almost turns into this form of self-hate or self-lack, and that lack creates a safety response. It triggers this threat inside your system that says you're missing out, that you don't have what it needs, that life isn't going well. Like You exist as your own problem, and part of the way that your body compensates for that is by growing your ego. Now, your ego creates that sense of self. And in a balanced state, your ego is actually really healthy. It's very beneficial. It was God's gift to us. But like all things, when it grows or elevates or it gets out of balance, this is where we start to see problems. So when you get so consumed by yourself, you generate a threat to your system, like you become your own threat, and your ego expands. And the reason your ego expands is a form of self-protection. Anything that is a threat, our body wants to focus on as a means to protect you. Like for instance, if there were tigers in your backyard and you just didn't care or you didn't pay attention to it, you could get eaten by a tiger. Do tigers eat people? I don't know. But you, you know what I'm saying, right? So in the process of self-survival and self-protection, your brain and body start to fixate on those threats to make you aware of them so that you can act in safety. So if you know there's a tiger in your backyard, instead of not caring or not even noticing, and you go outside and get eaten by a tiger, your brain now recognizes that there might be a tiger out there, even if it's not there. And it starts to come up with logical solutions to self-protect. It's a self-protective mechanism to keep yourself safe and alive. And the more threatened your body is, the less loved it feels. And this is where childhood trauma comes into this. And I don't want to get into all of that inside this lesson. 
But when we don't have that love, that sense of safety and that groundedness, it's very easy for our ego to become inflated. And then it puts all of our attention back on ourselves. And honestly, this isn't always a choice. It's a biological process that happens inside of your brain to protect you. But this is why I bring this up. Because the more the world tells us to focus on ourselves, the larger our ego becomes and the more unsafe we actually get, even if we're not a threat to ourselves. And one of the best ways to remind yourself that you are safe is to get outside of yourself. And I don't mean disassociate by that, but to see outside yourself, to see that you are not existing alone, but in a community and you are a part of that community. You are needed. We are all needed in the collective whole. Life and health is not an individual pursuit. It's a community pursuit. And if we can start to shift our view from that, then we can say like, I am taking care of myself, not because of me, but so that I can help the greater good. And it's an exchange, a community, this interpersonal relationship that we were designed for. And that sounds so crazy in the world that's promoting independence and even self-isolation. But these are not positive experiences and they truly change your biology in very unhealthy ways. We know this. Isolation, independence, all of that leads to loneliness. And we are a world that is more lonely than ever, and yet we feel like we're more connected. Again, the internet has made us be able to connect with anyone at any time. And yet what's fascinating about this is the more quote-unquote connections you have, the more lonely people feel. And that's because we weren't designed for thousands of connections, but a few really intimate relationships. And we have to go back to that. We have to see that we are relational people designed to be relational, needing that relationship and that interdependence because we are dependent on other beings to fully embrace and live our life as it was designed. And yet there's more information coming out than ever before about how you should focus more on yourself. And again, there's a balance to this because yes, you cannot help other people unless you also help yourself. But the difference for me is how much time you spend thinking about yourself versus how much time you spend thinking and interacting about everyone else. Is there a balance to that? Are you working on yourself so you can help and give and provide for other people? Are you doing it as a form of self-elevation? Because anytime you try to elevate yourself, all you're doing is creating your own threat and you're allowing your ego to go wild and you're creating more unhealth inside of you. I think one really important concept that I'm going to talk about in a few weeks was understanding that confidence was not an elevation of myself above other people, but it was the confidence of experiencing life with other people. It's the confidence to get out there and do it, to live it, to have relationships, and to see the best life is not the life where you're elevated above someone else, It's to get to the place where we're living in harmony and community with others. And so, yes, you are going to need to focus on yourself, but we can't over-focus on ourselves or chase some version of ourself that doesn't exist. You are you, 
And rather than chasing it or finding you, I think it's just peeling back those layers that the world placed on you to get back to the real you, the God created you that you already are. And you're probably going to spend a lifetime peeling back those layers to really understand all that you were made for. But I think there's a lot of freedom that comes from not needing to chase down or find another version of yourself, whatever version the world's telling you you need to be today. And you just start peeling back your own layers and using that to connect with other people and the world and to really live out your purpose. And this last point is something that I have worked through. And honestly, I had this big revelation about a few years ago. I was really in the thick of my healing journey, and I was on my third therapist at the time. And honestly, just completely broken down by the fact that I could not figure out for the life of me who I was. And that sounds really silly, but I had spent the previous few years, you know, working and trying to understand and trying to do all the right things. And I would have people, people that I didn't even know who would tell me, you know, things are going to change when you would just be yourself. Like you just got to be yourself. And it was like this message over and over and over. You just got to be yourself, just be yourself. And then things will change. Implying that whoever I was at that moment wasn't me. This created so much chaos and confusion within my life, and it really took me on this journey of trying to find myself. I became so consumed in myself, and I am first to admit that there is nothing more lonely than that. And I was in therapy, and I had left therapy feeling, again, kind of defeated. Like, how am I on my third therapist? Things are not really going the way that I thought because I really just wanted someone to tell me who I was and then I could be that person. So I decided, like I do when I'm upset, to go do a little retail therapy. Therapy was not good for our wallet in any way, shape, or form. But I was sitting in the TJ Maxx parking lot and I remember so vividly, like almost crying out to God saying like, I don't get it. This feels so unfair. I have tried so hard to understand who I am, to find myself, and yet I feel like I have no idea who I am. And I was crying, and it was raining. Thank heaven so no one could see inside the car. And I just remember getting this like overwhelming feeling, like you are you. <laughs> like You are you. Right now, as you come, is the best version of you that you have to offer. And I started to think about that. And like, I just sat there and started to ponder of like, wait, like, what if I am me? And what if all the time someone told me I had to be a better version of me was just because they didn't like the version that I was or they were, they were triggered by it, right? Like, that's not my problem that they were experiencing those feelings. But at the time, I was giving the best that I could with what I had. And I was showing up as myself, And it was in this moment that things really started to shift for me because then I started to go back instead of chasing down what the self-help books told me I should be or how to find myself or taking personality tests. And I really just started to recognize that I was me and all of my life experiences. They might not all be positive, but I really just needed to start to embrace that self in a way and In the process of getting healthy, it wasn't about finding something new, but slowly peeling back the layers. Because what I believe and what I've learned since then through counseling and therapy, and also by my own time praying and asking God to show me that God made us all 
perfect. That God made us in his image and our mother's womb, and he designed all of that. Our call, our purpose, our gifts, all of it was created before we were even born. Like we were a thought in God's mind before we even existed, and he had it all perfectly created. And I think the reason we struggle so much with this is not because we need to find a better version of ourselves, but because we need to start peeling back those layers to really see who we were created. Like you are you. It's not about finding a new version of you. It's about peeling back the layers so you can see who God created you to be. And when I started to do this, I really started to see how much time I had spent chasing down a version of me that didn't exist and that only kept me so self-centered and really self-protected that I couldn't even exist within a community. Like I was so defeated and lacking so much self-confidence and I had no self-esteem, which really made me very self-centered. When I started to shift that view, I was really able to expand my reach and I was able to start seeing outside of myself, to get outside of myself, to see that I exist for something greater than myself. And I think that's really when I started to experience life again. I know it sounds cheesy and like so simple. Um, I made it very complicated and I lived in that for years and years and years. But when I started to shift that, it really was that simple. Like it opened me up to expand me to see life in a different way. And it helped me to have more confidence. Like I am me and I'm just starting to peel back the layers and I'm growing and I'm learning and I'm doing. And in the process of that, more layers come off so that I can really shine in the light of who God made me. And that made me so much less concerned with myself. And that's what confidence does. When we have true confidence, not the masked artificial kind that makes you self-inflated, But true confidence is being able to not think less of yourself, but think about yourself less because you have the confidence to know you just are. And that allows you the energy and opportunity to give more to the world and to the people around you. So the last point again is we've got to be less consumed with ourselves. You don't need to find it in another self-help book. You don't need to chase it down, but you just need to start uncovering you and recognizing you're probably showing up as the best version of you that you can today. Is there a better version? Yeah, absolutely. That's where we grow and explore and expand, but we can't do that if we're so focused on ourselves that we lack the confidence to grow and to take risks and to be adventurous, but also because we're self-protecting. And that's always what happens when we put too much elevation on ourselves. So those are my three tips on healthy things that could be healthy if they were in balance, but that we tend to overdo and they become very unhealthy. Plus, they just take away from the essence of life and they make us really bad at living life. Not because we are, but because they remove the elements that do create a fulfilling life. And those are things, again, like creativity and curiosity and adventure and wonder and space and connections. We were made to exist with other people. We were made to exist in this interdependence with humans and this dependence on God. And if we can really wrap our arms around that, if we can really embrace that as the most fulfilling life, you will be amazed at all the things that you thought you needed to do that you realize you really don't. So I hope this podcast was helpful, bringing a little bit different light 
to the typical diet advice and also telling you we really do have what it takes to live healthy. We're overcomplexifying it and even masking it in unhealthy ways. We're taking healthy things to an unhealthy degree. And if that is not a picture of what humans love to do and any scope of life, I don't know what is. It's always about balance. Your human tendency may be to pull you out of balance, to exist in these extremes thinking you're going to arrive at a destination faster. But that's not really life, right? It's not an arrival at a destination. It's a process of living. It's a journey. It's the action that you take. And it will always and forever be a journey. So I hope that you can take some time to process through that. And in the end, really start to romanticize the journey. Now, I'm going to give you some more tips over at the blog on how to really start implementing some of this. Head on over to livingwell.com to learn more about that. And I'll just leave you with one more piece of advice. We've got to stop complicating what was intended to be simple. Because complicating things is keeping us stuck. Instead, it's just breaking free of some of these ideas that we have created or we have learned and recognize that while they might be healthy, in some cases, they're not always healthy. And recreating balance or re-regulating yourself to get back to that healthy place. I believe in you. I think health exists within all of us. It's just choosing to live that out and using that to live out your life, the greater good and community with other people and to live your God-given purpose. So I hope you found value in this and something really stuck out to you that you can take and do. It's not just more information, but it's what you do with that information that changes your entire biological output. So your challenge is go do something with this and then let me know what that is. I'll be back here with a brand new podcast next week.